Hey, it's Alan Carter. Welcome to the first Monday of the new year. We're all back. And hey, do you have a tan? Where did you go over the break? Plus, we're going to check in on remote learning. Day one as the kids are trying to learn from their laptops. How's that going? Let's get to it. Happy New Year. Hello. Welcome to 2021. Where were you exactly? Over the past few weeks, where'd you go? Is that is that a bit of a hue, a bit of a change to your pallor? You look like you might have gotten some sun behind that mask. Backside back into Ontario. That's right. That I don't know what you were up to. I was kicking at poolside. You know me, me and Roddy Phillips. But, you know, I was uh, smarter than him because he only pre-scheduled tweets. I pre-scheduled a tweet, a gram, a TikTok, a LinkedIn, a Substack post, a Foursquare check-in, a Facebook post, and an update to MySpace, just to be sure. And see, that's how I covered my tracks. I fooled them all! Vacationers out there, you better not have a tan. Because the fallout from the Rod Phillips debacle last week and was that not just the spiciest of meatballs that that was that was a christmas cracker is what that was i mean i hope he enjoyed that rum punch by the pool because goodbye political career rod phillips but what it has set off now of course Right across the country, we got all these cabinet ministers in Alberta that they went outside of the country, and Jason Kenney is like, Ollie, Ollie, home friend! And everybody's got to come running in. Everybody, last, last cabinet minister home is it! It's a rotten egg! So it set off this whole thing, and everybody's asking questions about politicians, and now it's moved to the next step, which is we're all asking questions of each other. Are, are we not? This time of the year is often filled with jealousy. You know, this first week of January, people come back to the office. There's always some idiot with cornrows and beads in their hair. What are you doing? I know you are so fine. You went on and all-inclusive. You don't have to rub it in my face. You look ridiculous, Bo Derek. But this year, it's more than that, because now we can lay some heavy, heavy shame on these people. Because of what's happened with Rod Phillips has now spilled over into other areas, and we're looking around. You know, maybe we're actually going into the office and you actually see people. You know, they shouldn't be in the office. They should be home, you know, for isolating for 14 days if they've just come back from overseas. I, I know people who went to Turks and Caicos over the uh, holidays. Four of them, family, posted posted photos on the beach, Instagram. It's like, I don't know. I know it's allowed. You're allowed to do it. Should you? Should you? So good. The whole St. Bart's thing. I, I don't know what you got to up to over the week, over the uh, holiday break. But let me, let me give you an example. When Rod Phillips was, you know, poolside, St. Bart's. I was hosting my mom and dad in a tent in my backyard because I did not want to break any rules. So we all bundled up and we sat outside in the winter like chumps. 
while Rod Phillips was ordering another rum punch. And what does it all mean? I mean, should you be angry about it? I mean, there's the deception of the tweets, and, you know, there's the whole Phillips thing itself, which was just monumentally stupid for him, just blind. But what is it, what, what does it tell us about this pandemic? What it tells us is if you are wealthy and privileged, this pandemic for you is a bonus. You've got more money. You're probably spending more time at home. When you go on vacation, well, the great unwashed aren't here. That's fantastic. Only the best sort of people are here at St. Bart. They keep the rest of the riffraff out. And especially this year, (laughs) those idiots are following the rules. And it's about privilege, and it's about wealth. For the less fortunate, what do we have? Stress, isolation, health risks, economic hardship. But for the privileged, bring on the pan- well, privilege. Probably like you know that Robert Duvall quote in Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Someday this pandemic's going to end. You know, I, I don't know. Did you know that by eleven o'clock this morning, on the Monday of the first work week in January? that the average top 100 CEO made as much money as the average Canadian worker will make all year. That's a finding in the annual, annual report by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Yeah, lefty, lefty think tank, but nevertheless, here are the numbers. It showed that in 2019, the average pay for a top 100 CEO in 2019, what was it? How If you were C-suite type, you've been probably pulling in about 10 million bucks. In comparison, the average individual income in Canada for 2019, the average income, single individual, $53,482. So you think if you're bringing in the average individual income, you're going to go to St. Bart's? I don't think so. I don't think you are heading to Hawaii or Greece or any of the other places that either federal ministers or MPs or MPPs or MLAs or you name it, places that they have all gone. And it's a question about privilege. And this is why it matters. Because this brings home my point, and I have been making this day in and day out, that this we're all in this together messaging that we hear from political leaders is nothing more than malarkey. It's hooey, bunk, baloney, hogwash, and drivel. Guess who got a thesaurus for Christmas? And can we just spare a brief moment here to talk about Doug Ford's reaction to all of it? Ford, by the way, is on hand to uh, watch round two of the vaccines being handed out today. Not taking any questions, although I think Jamie Tumulty, the uh, City TV uh, camera guy, who does a lot of the pool things, so I only ever send one camera to these things. It's, it's always Jamie. And I believe he fired a couple of questions in. We're going to try and get that for you, see what what he was asked and if there was anything newsworthy there. But he hasn't really addressed the media for a while, Doug Ford. And he was not doing it today. So w- what does he do? First thing, outrage. 
He goes full on bunch of yahoos on Doug Ford. Play that one for me again, there, Rob. You got that one? Get your get your behind back. What was that again? Get your backside back into Ontario. Yeah, get that that backside back. And then it turns out, of course, well, he kind of knew and didn't say anything. So this is this is the pattern that we have, right? When when something goes wrong, what does Doug Ford do? He goes all outrage. He blames whoever. Half the time it's his own government. Half the time it's his own officials. you got to be kidding me. And then after that, there's kind of a slight, you know, well, clarification on it. And we just hope it all goes away. And we're dealing with the law of diminishing returns here for Doug Ford. I have said this many times, that for politicians, often the thing that works for them you know, whatever it is, whatever their style is, their openness or their fresh face or whatever the thing is that often makes them very popular in the early going, then sometimes can turn on a dime to be the thing that people can't stand. You think about Kathleen Wynne, you know, new, going to do things differently and progressive voice. And that was all great for about, you know, six months. And everybody said, well, that's enough. I don't care for the, I, the same thing. The same reason that we voted for is the same reason that we're going to vote her out. And that is going to happen to Doug Ford on this bunch of Yahoo crap where he's always freaking out on somebody. You know, this plain-spoken populist rhetoric is going to wear very thin, very quickly. We can't get vaccines into people's arms. And now, this government, the Ford government, is on its third, count them, third finance minister. Vic Fideli, disaster. Rollout of the first budget was an absolute disaster. It didn't work out. He got chucked aside. Bring in Rod Phillips. Rod Phillips uh, had been uh, head of uh, OLG. He'd been a big wig at Post Media. Uh, and, you know, this is a guy who many thought was potentially the future of the party. He had big aspirations. I mean, they all do. But Rod Phillips had his eye on sometime maybe just being in the premier's chair himself. And that's gone. Because you went to St. Bart's. Nice work there. Enjoy that rum punch. And so now we're on to our third one, Peter Bethlenfalvy. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. Peter Bethlenfalvy. Two strikes, one to go. And it's the wind-up over the plate for Peter Bethlenfalvy, the third Ontario Finance Minister. I'll tell you this about Peter Bethlenfalvy. Not only does he have a great last name, you just say it over and over again. Say it with me, Bethlehem Falvey. If the qualification, if the key qualification for being a successful finance minister is being entirely unable to tell a joke, then Peter Bethlehem Falvey is going to be great. Just the comedy stylings. He often comes in and he'll, he'll talk about whatever thing he's got on his side. Today I have... I have roses on my tie because it smells so sweet. <laughs> oh, boy. It's enough to make you want to get on a plane and go to St. Bart's. I am always reminded that sometimes my sarcasm might be a little too much, that I might be just a little dry, a little too dry in my presentation. 
Just in case you were wondering, if you were with us in our last segment, despite what I said, I did not actually vacation with Rod Phillips in St. Bart's. Just, come on, seriously. Do you really think I was in St. Bart's? With I can't afford that. I work in the media. Come on. God, try and tell a joke. you got to explain it. People start writing in. What's going on today is uh, Doug Ford is at the hospital today. He is there along with the Minister of Health as he is watching people get their second shot of the vaccine. Some kind of a weird thing he's got. He loves watching people get needles. I don't know what it is. But anyway, there he is. He's uh, at, at the hospital as Ontario is now administering the second doses uh, to these frontline health care workers. And of course, there's a lot of questions about the, the slowness of the rollout of the vaccine here in Ontario. I want to play this for you. This was a couple of questions that were uh, thrown into Doug Ford. He wasn't supposed to be taking any questions, but the camera operator who was there asked him a couple of questions. Here's Doug Ford at the hospital this morning. Well, I'm, I'm confident uh, with, with any uh, rollout that we've had throughout this pandemic, there's a, a few bumps in the road, but we have proven... As, as Ontarians, uh, once we get rolling, we'll, we'll be number one in the entire country, hoping we'll be number one in, in North America. We're going to be going full steam uh, forward. I have all the confidence in the world and, and the minister and uh, president CEOs of hospitals, and, and I have confidence in the general. Uh, we're ramping it up, and you're going to see a significant difference over the next uh, few weeks there. That is Doug Ford this morning talking about the vaccine rollout. We have had some bumps in the road, says Doug Ford, as Ontario continues to lag behind the rest of the country in terms of the numbers of vaccinations. Vaccinations, pardon me. Here is Dr. Allison McGeer, who is an infectious disease specialist at Mount Sinai, saying it is time for this province to step it up. According to the latest data, there's been just shy of 42,000 vaccines administered in Ontario to date, but there are over 106,000 sitting in cold storage. Dr. McGeer says it's time to start using traditional methods of administering shots, things like family doctors and public health units, instead of just hospital clinics to speed things up. We know that what works in pandemics and outbreaks is things that already exist, and I think we would have been better off to try to stick with our usual mechanisms, and hopefully that's what's going to happen this week. She says pausing vaccines around Christmas wasn't such a great idea. That's not our primary problem. Our primary problem is we're just not getting enough vaccine out every day. Dr. McGuire says only four to 5,000 shots are given per day in this province. She says that's about 10% of what we need to be delivering. Tina Trajani, Global News. Uh, that is the report containing the Insight from Dr. Allison McGeer. All right, let's get to the phone lines. And the question for you is, as we talk more about travel, is whether or not you think it's a big deal that people might have traveled outside of the country. And I'm not talking about your politician types. I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is, is that what we've seen is we've seen the fallout from the Rod Phillips scandal really sort of, you know, move into other areas. I, I think we might not have been so focused on, you know, where have you been? Over the last two weeks, is, is that a tan you are sporting, sir? I don't think we would be so upset about it if it wasn't for the Rod Phillips story. But that Rod Phillips story really set something in motion. And it made news around the world. And it has um, now led to pretty much every single cabinet minister across the country. Anybody, every single cabinet minister has to now account for where they've been for the last eight, nine months. Where you? Where you been? 
question is, is do you think that's a big deal? You, you may know that uh, as of Thursday, you are going to have to prove, you're going to have to have a negative test to actually arrive here in Canada, fly back in. Well, that's just in time, isn't it? Thanks. Th- thanks, federal government. Nice of you to put that in place just after everybody all got back. So the question for you is, is this a big deal? Because I think it is. I, I think it is a big deal. And I think part of what has happened means that we're kind of turning on each other even more. You know, it, it's one thing to, to lose faith in the elected officials and to be upset about the hypocrisy. But what is it doing about us, to us, it, as we, you know, look to our neighbors and wonder, hey, you know what? You didn't shovel your driveway for the past two weeks. Where have you been? Where'd you go? 416-870-6400. The question for you is, do you believe that the whole people traveling south is a big issue? Or is it just up to you? I mean, it's no law that says you can't go. Or is that what we need to do? Man, I tell you. It would have been nice to have been south this, this you know, this holidays. And, you know, it would be great to be able to be on a beach. And someday, again, we will be on beaches. And we will be able to go on vacations. It's just we're not supposed to do it right now. That's what the recommendations are. So is that the problem? Is it they're just recommendations? Because there were a lot of recommendations that people just ignored. We're already starting to see the numbers creep up. The experts are saying that the numbers are going to go up because of what people did over the holidays, whether they went south or they, whether they went to grandma's house. One of the two. Doesn't matter. You still manage to increase the number of contacts. So is it a big deal? Is it a big deal that if somebody goes south of the border and they go for a vacation and they come back and they got the privilege to be able to work from home? No big deal! Michael's on line one. What do you think, Michael? Do you think this whole travel issue is a big deal? I mean, I think it's a big deal. And, you know, one thing that's really bothered me during this whole pandemic is the fact that, as you just alluded to, that the federal government is way late to the game in enacting these measures. And I don't have a really, even before this, I didn't really have a big issue with people going away on vacation. But what I did have an issue with is that I knew that upon their return, there was no true measures in place that would um, ensure that they were quarantining for 14 days. So that's where I had, I just don't have a lot of faith in people in the honor system that was there. And certainly the government didn't do any level of deterrence because there's no actual enforcement of it. And even with the, the needing a COVID test, like where was all this months ago? I just, that. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right, Michael. And I think the feds are late on this and, and there's some blame that needs to be put there. But I also, I, I guess I will just point out that what the evidence tells us is that the transmission rate from travelers has been very low. And this this was something that came out when Doug Ford was, of course, pointing his finger at the feds instead of, you know, taking some heat for in Ontario being late. So I, I yeah. don't know if the international travels are have been that big of a deal up until this point. But I mean, realistically, though, if they're if they're not even truly capturing what's coming back into the country, how could they even quantify that if it was like if it was an issue? Like, I, I I would respectfully believe that it probably is a big issue, but they're just not recording it or measuring it the the way that they should have been. Like that that's my honest opinion, and I I think that they're kind of passing the buck and kind of you know because they know that it, it's like it's a big issue and it looks bad, it looks terrible. 
All right. Uh, thanks very much, Michael. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it, it was interesting to think about, you know, when this whole Phillips thing broke. And, uh, of course, I, I thought back to Doug Ford, you know, standing at the podium railing about, you know, it's not a leak in the roof at Pearson. The rain is pouring in. It's chaos. And he's, you know, he's sounding the alarm bell. And really what he was warning the rest of the province was is stay away from the finance minister. <laughs> I guess that's the worry. Uh, 416-870-6400. Is this whole travel thing an issue to you? You think it's a big deal, Frank? You think it's a big deal? Hey, Alan. Yeah, I do think it's a real big deal. Um, the stats that came in, I, I think it was uh, the uh, the Minister of uh, Safety. Uh, Bill Blair. Blair. Yeah. yeah, former chief. He yeah. indicated, I think it was anywhere between 1.5 to 2% of the 60,000. I think it was like 1.3 was the number, I think it was. But I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah, go ahead, though. Oh, that that makes it clear too. Say it was 1.3 or 1.5. That translates to about 600 people that came in, every that came in every week that potentially had that virus. And, and when they come in from the international airport in Toronto, they're going to commute and go to different areas in the GTA. Uh, you know, they're dispersed throughout whatever area they're coming to to visit or, or, or to come back home to. And and so that in itself creates these little mini mini spreading events which in turn then spread into these major spreading events so it makes it virtually impossible to do contact tracing and and, and to control the virus so i think it's very foolish that people continue to do that even consider to continue to travel well here's something that's happening today on a monday is slack was down all morning long i know you're probably like i don't care i don't even know what that is but if you work in an office environment slack being down for most of the morning it's back up by the way now has been a real impact on productivity as it went down. And now that it's back, I wish it would go just go down again. I really, I kind of, I really wish it would. Here's what's happening at home right across the province today is kids are learning remotely. Uh, as you know, students in the north and elementary students in the south will resume in-person learning next week. That's according to the Minister of Education, high schoolers, in the South, we'll continue online learning until the 25th of this month. Sam Hammond is with the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, and he counters what the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, has been saying about teachers being ready for today. He also says that every teacher in the province received mandatory training on remote learning. That consisted of maybe 60 tops 90 minutes of work on uh, Google Classroom. There's no comprehensive plan that they have developed. He, you know, he talks also about creating a comprehensive online management system. I'm yet to see that. If there is one, uh, educators in this province wouldn't be as anxious as they are about how this is all going to work out. That is Sam Hammond speaking on this radio station earlier today. And I'm looking for those of you who are struggling right now with your kids running around in the background at 416-870-6400. Call me. Let me know how you're doing with this remote learning. As I mentioned, my son, who is in grade 7, is doing remote learning today. He is at home. I should call him, but I don't want to interrupt him because I really hope he's online. I really, I really hope he's online because my wife will let me know if he's not, and it will not be a good conversation. Sheba Siddiqui is uh, my producer, hardworking producer of this radio program, also the mother of four, who 
who are all learning remotely at home. How you doing, Sheba? Sheba's uh, actually taking some calls, too, right now at 416-870-6400 as she's uh, checking the phone lines, doing a million things. She's probably also, you know, wiping a nose, too, as, we, as we're as we talking. Because, you know, like everybody, we're trying to juggle all these things at 416-870-6400, your calls on how it's going with remote learning. Sheba Siddiqui is, as I mentioned, the mother of four and trying to juggle oh, it, it all. It, you with, it's you, a party you, around here. You okay? It's a party. It's, I mean, it started off... It's going uh, so far so good. It was a little bit of a chaotic morning. Alan, this is a tough situation. My heart goes out to these teachers across Ontario today. Yeah, it's not tell me, easy. tell me that story you you had about one of, one of the teachers that you were watching. Oh, so remotely. my grade two daughter logged on this morning, and you know, nice virtual call. Her whole class is there. Then I hear this chaos and crying in the background. Her teacher has both of her toddlers on her lap. They're both having huge tantrums. There's a dog barking in the background of her home, and she just looked like she was about to burst into tears. So she's trying to teach a class of 25 kids with two toddlers having tantrums on her lap. That's my heart goes out to these teachers. I can't imagine what it's like for them. I, I, it is it difficult for the teachers. I definitely feel for the teachers. I have a teacher in my family, and I know that the the stress, the mental health uh, issues for teachers, especially on the front lines. You know, they're in class. They're I mean, and it's a it's a tough job. I know people get down on teachers, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that the last ten months has taught me is a new respect for teachers, Shiva. Really, I I have never appreciated teachers more in my life after what happened in March and just being at home with four kids. It was chaos. I, I I never wanted to be a teacher as a child, and now it's confirmed. I yeah. have so much respect for these teachers, what they're going through now, and just, I mean, I don't even know how prepared they are. I don't even trust that it's going to go on. We're going back to school next week. I don't you, you trust don't, what so anybody's telling me. You don't believe that Lecce, when Lecce comes out, and he, he said over the weekend that, uh, the you know, the plan is kids go back to school, elementary kids, so your kids, my kids. We'll be back uh, in class a week today. You don't believe that? You don't buy it? I am not going to believe it until I see it at <laughs> 9 a.m. a week from now. Really, we've been told so many things, and I've had so much anxiety. I was off. I had a nice break, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking about this week and how how long it's going to go. Because the spring was dis- it was a disaster. I mean, it, it took was. a toll it was, on it, everyone. It was absolutely chaos, and, and, and we're, we're being told that it's different now. Um, and I think that for parents who have been doing remote learning uh, since September, as many have, they have a different perspective on it. And I'm just uh, put the call out to you at 416-870-6400. Join our conversation. Sheba Siddiqui and myself talking about those kids going back to school, trying to learn remotely. And how are you handling it? we got Tony online, too, I think. Tony, how's it going with uh, remote learning in your house? Um, I have nothing to complain about. Um you know, uh, my kids, one's in university, one is in high school. I think they're adapting as best as they can. And, uh, and like, uh, like you previously mentioned, I think the teachers are going through their own issues and are trying to adapt as much as the students are. So, um, you know, it's a situation that we're all living with right now. How, what grade um, is your high schooler in? In grade 10. Uh, and how has so, it been on the quadmester uh, system? I, I also have a, a student in grade ten in my house. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, uh, the, the the words we've used this, we didn't sign up for this, and uh, 
you know, my daughter goes to a term school and, uh, and that was because we felt she'd be able to be a better student at a term school versus a semester or in this case, a quadmester. Um, but you know what, these are lessons that we're trying to teach our kids about how to adapt and how to, uh, make the best of, of a horrible situation. Right. I mean, and you know, is your is your daughter upset about not going back to? What, was she doing any uh, in class uh, prior to the, yeah, the lockdown? Yeah, yeah. She's doing so now she doesn't go back until the end of January or end of January. So how she feel about yeah. that? Obviously, some in class and some at home. Yeah, uh, I believe I believe her school, without mentioning where she goes, I believe only had one case, which you know became a non-issue fairly quickly. Um, but in general terms, in no way am I perfect, and I definitely have my vices, but I have been telling people COVID is real, it's an issue, but please don't drink the Kool-Aid. You know, I'm one that has no problem traveling. I'm one that has no problem with my children being in class. Um, and, you know, I do feel that the government telling us how much we can drink, who should stay open, all these crazy, um, you know. Um, I, I, I don't. I, the, the government's not telling us how much to drink. It's certainly, if certainly, I'm not listening to that. I'll tell you that for free. Thanks very much, Tony. I appreciate your call. Um, but let's get to another call here, and then we'll get back to uh, Shiva Siddiqui, who has uh, probably run out of the room now and is, you know, trying to. I don't know the, all those kids. I, I can't imagine. Well, there must be pens in Sheba's house to be able to get them all in separate areas so they can do their own learning. It must be crazy. Let's get back to the lines quickly, though. Uh, Steve is on the line. You got a high school student, Steve? Yeah, yeah. So I got um, two kids in high school, one in elementary. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And uh, I just want to say it's been very hard on them. When the two older girls found out that they were going to go back to online, their mental health has just been crashing because of the first lockdown. Uh, not being around their peers has been very difficult. But even this morning, our, our school boards, the Internet crashed. So they had all the cohorts end, and then every student trying to log in at the same time just overwhelmed the system. What region are you in, Steve? I'm in the Hamilton uh, region. Hamilton-Wentworth? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Steve. appreciate that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and we're going to hear more and more stories like that, aren't we? Uh, Brad's on uh, line three. Uh, go ahead. What, what do you, how are you experiencing remote learning? Okay, I don't have any kids in high school. Thank God my two kids are in university. But I just heard um, Shiva mentioning she feels so sorry about um, the, the teachers, the two kids, the baby and the puppy, and they have to yeah. juggle. Listen, Alan, you get up in the morning to go to work or wherever, right? Same thing yeah. I do. If there was no COVID, wouldn't Jane, that teacher, had to get up in the morning, find place to put it? Yeah, there might. Be, yeah, there will be daycare though. There I you mean, go. Come on, keep think think about just just think about trying to do that from your house. And we don't know that particular. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, well, wait, you're a teacher. You would you would have had to go to class. You would have had to, you know, put your kids in daycare. But you you don't have those opportunities now. It's just this extra thing to juggle. Okay, I appreciate that, Sheba. I want to get back to you, Sheba. Um, and she has been doing a great job because in the background here, what she was doing is she's actually screening those calls uh, to make sure that they're only the angriest people uh, and then also <laughs> producing this program. Um, how's it going with the kids? What's going on in the background? Oh, it's lunchtime now. So I think, you know, I hear my husband shushing everybody because I'm I'm on air right now. But go ahead. I told him this is life now. You're just going to hear chaos and screaming and yelling and swearing and crying, probably all from me. 
before you hear it from my children. But um, no, it's recess and lunch. You know, it started off a little rocky, especially with my younger ones. Everybody managed to get Everybody was online, yes. But my JK, I don't want my four-year-old on a computer, on a screen all day. So I think, you know, for half of it, we'll pull him out in the afternoons or... And he can play. I don't know. It's and recess. I mean, they tried to pull one over me by getting onto their video games at recess time. But that's not <laughs> happening around here. There's no video game time during what? the day. You get outside. What you, you get outside? You're just chucking them out in the backyard? Yes. Go. And then one of them gave the other a snow job, so they came in crying because there's no school monitor out there. Like, give me a break. It's just chaos all around. Well, thank you for uh, soldiering through this. I know it's it's not easy. It's not easy for you. It's not easy for the parents right across this province. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Shiva. And thank you to everybody who called in today uh, to share your story, whether or not you were for travel, against travel, for kids being in school, against kids being in school. I think what it really says to me is is that, you know, we're in a different state now than we were, obviously, March of last year, and we just, I I don't think we can appeal the same way to this, let's all do it together, you know, uh, let's all, you know, paddle in the same direction. I don't know, I think that's fallen on deaf ears because we realize that that's not working. What we need to do is look at the evidence, and we had a caller say, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Well, I'll tell you, here, let me serve you up a real glass here of something that you need to consume. And this number is right here. Hospitalizations in the province of Ontario up 192. ICUs up 4 to 333. Why do I give you those numbers? Because this thing is real. And it's killing people. So whatever it is that you need to do to protect yourself and protect your family and protect your community, do it. That's the Alan Carter Podcast for today. Remember, Join me live weekdays starting at noon.